The numbers on the cost of Hurricane Harvey keep rising as the floodwaters recede. It's now estimated to be the costliest natural disaster in U.S. history. Here is more of Hurricane Harvey by the numbers. The potential damage is now estimated at $190 billion. Nearly 94,000 homes are estimated to be damaged or destroyed, according to the Texas Division of Emergency Management. Texas Governor Greg Abbott said his state will need federal relief money far in excess of $125 billion. 325,000 people have registered for assistance with the Federal Emergency Management Agency. 80 percent of Texans don't have flood insurance. President Trump has promised rapid action from Congress on funding, and yesterday Vice President Pence reiterated that. Uh, we just urge people to uh, take every opportunity that they have, whether it's by telephone or online, uh, to apply for that federal assistance and know that Help is on the way. But how fast will that help come? It's usually slow to arrive in a large-scale disaster. And how much will insurance or federal aid cover? Joining me are Stephen Pate, a member of Cozen O'Connor, and Brian Loughton, a partner at Deans and Lions. Steve, let's talk about the kind of insurance homeowners need. Is regular home insurance enough? Probably not in this situation, and I'll tell you why. National Flood Insurance offers flood insurance for the flood event in Houston, and it's estimated that only one-sixth of Houstonians had flood insurance. Now, where wind or rain caused damage, that would be covered by Texas Windstorm Association policies or, in most cases, by your regular homeowners. But Mostly, most Houstonians did not have flood insurance, and that's going to be a terrible shame. That's where you have to go to FEMA for assistance. That's just awful, but that's the way it is. Let's talk a little bit more about the National Flood Insurance Program, Brian. It's been criticized for years, and it's now about $25 billion in debt and set to expire on September 30th. Will it pay for all claims filed in relation to Hurricane Harvey, even if it's not renewed? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you correctly point out that on September 30th, uh, the bill's going to expire. And what that's really going to impact are places like Dauphin Island, Alabama, where I grew up, that re repeatedly get hit by floods and which is one of the small slivers in the country uh, that is covered by that flood program. So what Congress ultimately does in late September on extending the program is really a big question mark. But there are strong policy issues on both sides. On the one hand, if you take away the program, places like Dauphin Island uh, down in Alabama where I grew up fishing, there won't be any homes there. People will not develop in risk uh, in risk areas. But on the other hand, the argument is, well, we shouldn't have to make uh, really poor people pay for insurance so people that are very, very wealthy can have vacation homes in flood-prone areas. I get the debate on both sides. But the bigger picture is this, and I want to make sure this is really clear because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, albeit Steve's right, the flooding issue is a big deal, and flood is excluded 
under these policies, and the flood program you're talking about is not covered by the Texas law that everybody is up, up in arms about. But I don't want policyholders that are listening to get discouraged and think that their homeowner's policy is not going to get them somewhere. Because as Steve correctly points out, there's a big difference between flooding that seeps up through the ground, which is excluded under most homeowners' policies, especially in Texas, and wind-driven rain. You know, when a tree falls on your house and then floods because the water came through the hole in the roof, that's not excluded. That should be a covered claim, and absolutely a claim should be made on homeowners' policies. And if the insurance company denies that claim, don't stop. Hire a competent coverage lawyer to make sure that the claim has been fairly evaluated. So there's a lot of misinformation, and I want to make sure it's really clear that albeit flood is excluded under most homeowners' policies, simply because your house flooded doesn't mean that your homeowner's carrier can necessarily deny your claim. If the, if the, rain, if the wind-driven rain put it there, that is a huge issue on whether there's coverage under the policy. I hope that makes sense. Steve, let's go to this Texas law that there has been a lot of confusion about. It goes into effect today, and there's been confusion because there were there were a lot of tweets out that you had to file uh, by a certain time by by today, or you wouldn't be able to uh, to get your insurance claims. And that was straightened out uh, as much as can be expected by uh, the Texas Lawyers Association. Tell us about that law and what it does. Well, you know what? There was so many. There's so much misinformation about that that it hit Snopes.com, which, as many people know, is the website that corrects urban myths. And Snopes.com correctly pointed out it doesn't prevent you from filing a claim. And in fact, what it does is it corrects some abuses in the system. It was designed to uh, tamp down on some what I call storm-chasing lawyers, some public adjusters who were abusing the system. What you had to do by September 1st was file a claim to take advantage of getting a higher interest rate if you filed a lawsuit later on and you recovered in that lawsuit. It has nothing to do with filing a claim and recovering. There has been so much misinformation there, and I hope to goodness nobody put themselves in harm's way by going back to their property and being unsafe and feeling like they had to file a claim by September 1st. I'm so, worried about that. Brian, yeah. in the Brian, in the instance that you were talking about where, you know, your insurance company, you don't have flood insurance and your insurance company may say, we're not covering this, and you may have to hire a lawyer. Does this law affect you at that point? Well, let me first of all respectfully disagree with Steve because I have a completely different opinion on this. Uh, first of all, it dramatically impacts the claims process, and let me tell you the three ways it does that. But let me preface by saying this. What he did say which is that it doesn't prevent someone from filing a claim. That's true. That is absolutely true. The other thing that people need to know is it does not prevent the insurance company for, from doing the right thing and fully paying what it should pay under the policy. Now, here's the problem. 
The problem is the situation where someone makes a claim and the carrier either slow plays the claim, delays the resolution, underpays the claim, or wrongfully denies the claim. Now, in that situation, the, the, the insured has a couple of options. It can take the lowball rate and go on down the road, but if it wants to do something about it, you have to provide notice now, and the notice has got all kinds of legalese. It requires when the act or omission occurred. You have to quantify the loss. You have to do all of these things before you go to court. You can't just file a claim. That's point number one. Point number two is slashing the penalty rate is a huge deal, and this is why. If my claim is slow played or delayed or underpaid or wrongfully denied, what keeps the insurance carrier honest is the penalty. Now, Steve said something that, that is respectfully incorrect. This does not regulate frivolous claims. This applies to valid claims. Penalties only kick in when the insurance company is liable. If you read the act, the first sentence of the act that passed says this applies to liability for a carrier, okay? So if my insurance company knows that if it underpays me, its penalty is cut in half, I'm going to have to hire a lawyer to put them on notice and meet the notice provisions before I can go to court. Oh, and by the way, if I do find a lawyer and I prevail, there's an 80-20 sliding scale on attorney's fees. So the penalty's cut in half. I can't get the full measure of my attorney's fees. I have to put the carrier on notice and wait 60 days for them to do something. If you have to jump through all of those hoops, they're incentivized in the claim process not to pay the full value of the claim. So, yes, there is misinformation, and albeit it is correct that it only applies to lawsuits, but how do lawsuits develop? They develop when the carrier doesn't do the right thing. And this law only applies to valid claims. A frivolous claim is not covered by this act. The insurance carrier has to be liable before it can pay attorney's fees. Those are cut. All right, Brian. An insurance company. We only have a few moments, so I want to give uh, Steve a chance to respond. Brian, I respectfully disagree. You and I are on different sides of the aisle. Let me just point out that there is a great thing in that bill, in that act, that says that the insurance companies get the right to reinspect now. Stormtroopers are doing these claims right now. Sometimes they miss valid damages. Sometimes they're latent damages. That bill gives them, gives carriers the right to reinspect where those damages can be picked up, where latent damages can be uh, now picked up by the carriers, and they can pay on them. That hurts you. That hurts me. It's bad for both sides. But you know what? It's great for the consumer. That's great for the consumer. And that's a wonderful thing in that bill. I disagree about probably everything else you said, but let's talk about politics being adjourned. I'm Both so sides. sorry, but we will not have time to talk about this anymore today. But obviously, two sides to this issue, as there usually is when insurance is concerned. Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Stephen Pate, a member of Cozen O'Connor and Brian Loughton, a partner at Deans and Lions. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, President Trump's lawyers have been meeting with special counsel Robert Mueller in recent months. According to The Washington Post, what effect, if any, will that have on 
the investigation. And what will the Justice Department's role be? I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.